coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I sit down with an FFL from Washington State, the Vice President of the Second Amendment Foundation, and a Second Amendment lawyer. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, how are we doing? Doing good. I've recovered from my multiple bike rides up and down between your house and mine tonight. <laughs> you would think that after all these years, all, all this time, it's actually a year, I can say that, after all yeah. these years of doing this, that you would like make a little checklist for yourself or something. Yeah, I had it, and then I just got distracted on yeah. the way up. But I had to, a really interesting thing happen on my way up. So I've uh, got my laptop bag on my back, and I'm getting on my bike, getting ready to ride up here and pulling the bicycle out of the garage, and I hear, UPS, man! And I was like, whoa, okay. I come out of the garage. He goes, yeah, I, I just like to make sure that I announce, uh, you know, that I'm coming around the corner. I don't like sneaking up on people in garages. And I go, you know, that's a really good policy. Yeah. It's a really smart policy. I yeah. go, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have loved it if like you have a camera out there and I would have loved it if you started up the Red Dragon and it scared the shit out of him, you know? <laughs> I got to be honest, that thing, like if I'm like near it and I like, it, it would make me jump. Oh, well, it's, that's what it's intended to it's do. Got, it's got some juice. It's intended to do that. Yeah. So I want to get right into tonight's uh, show, but we have a couple things to take care of here. So uh, you and I, we've been shooting new Republic training and range ammunition from our friends over at Target Sports USA, right? And we can't love it. break it. We love it. Yeah. Can't break it. Right. <laughs> so their team, they engineered this themselves. Uh, they did an exceptional job. Uh, they produce reliable and accurate ammo. And in my experience in testing, it's really performed as promised. Uh, currently, they offer it in six different calibers, all at great prices that we've come to expect from Target Sports. And uh, if you want to get even better deals, you know what to do. Be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership. Head on over to TargetSportsUSA.com and get yourself an even better deal than the already good deal. Tell them we sent you. Yeah, tell them we sent you. And if you're looking to support us and everything that we're doing over here, the best way you can support content creators is obviously subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Uh, if you're on Apple and that's where you're listening, leave us a five-star review and a comment. Always makes Keith feel good when I can read something positive for him. And if you're on Spotify, Spotify is cool now. You can leave a five-star review there, but they also have a segment where you, or a section where you can actually leave uh, feedback and you know you can kind of just tell us what you think and I think that's really cool too. So leave something and obviously we'll read that stuff on the air. And we're going to get into tonight's interview in one minute. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Flatline Fiber Co. Chad and the rest of the crew over at Flatline are an outstanding group of Americans and they are proud gun owners, just like you and I. I personally love their padded rifle slings. I actually have their padded one. I have their not padded one, but they have tons of great products. And I guarantee you're going to find something that makes your next range day better than your last. Everything they make is made by hand in the USA, includes free shipping, and has a lifetime warranty. You can use the code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout and get 10% off. And of course, thank you for supporting the companies that support the show. And I don't know whose engine that was, but it wasn't yours, Big <laughs> No, it wasn't. It sounded like a motorcycle. <laughs> All right, let's get into this thing. So we have a very special show tonight featuring three guests, each of whom brings a different perspective regarding the fight for the Second Amendment. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jeremy Randall from Randall's Family Firearms in Washington State, Peter Tillum from Tillum & Associates here in New York State, and Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. Gentlemen, thank you all for being here, and it's a pleasure to have everyone on. <clears throat> so I figured we would start off, uh, so 
Peter and Alan, you guys have been on the show before. Jeremy, you've never been on before. So I thought we'd actually start with you. Uh, I feel bad because you're out in Washington State and you're having to deal with all the stuff that we're dealing with, all kinds of gun control. Nobody ever calls us when we have to deal with these no, bad things. No, I, I think we're just nicer. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. No one has ever been accused of being nice in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about Randall's Family Firearms. I'd like to know a little bit about just your company and what you guys are doing out there. And we'll kind of start with that. Well, you know, honestly, Randall Family Firearms started with the very simple and selfish dream of, I want a gun shipped to my house. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How all, how how most FFL start. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So honestly, yeah, it started with that. And during the process, because it's so involved and so complicated, we decided, hey, you should probably start a business out of this. And, you know, Fortunately, I'm a talented person. I, I am a gunsmith. I have been tinkering with guns my entire life. I, I got certified, oh, long time ago. Um, and so, you know, it, it became that became what our business model was. Uh, we focused around gunsmithing and finding or building unicorns for people. Um, and it just happens to be that Washington State, as much as we don't like guns, it's a very uh, down low culture where if if you mention guns, then people will talk to you in whispers and. Well, yeah, I like guns too. Um, so, you know, we, we've found ourselves a little bit of a home here and uh, really wanting to stay here, but these new laws are, are tough. One of the main reasons we had you on is uh, after the debacle in Washington State most recently, uh, it seemed like a really good fit to have a conversation about this. So I'd like to know, really, I'm very curious as to how these new laws have affected you both as a business and as a gun owner. And when I say that, I, I genuinely want people to hear, uh, not that I think uh, too many uh, gun control advocates are listening to our show, but I do want people to genuinely hear how this affects actual people and their livelihoods and their lives. And so if you kind of just share some perspective from someone that lives in that state, that'd be great. So, yeah, as, as the legislation grew towards the final you know signing date from our governor i i got a lot of fear calls i have a lot of people who are asking me what does this mean for me uh, does the you know do, do the 12 or you know two or one semi-automatic rifle that i've been scrolling away in the closet forever or it's a hand-me-down is that going to make me a criminal in the morning what do i do about it um so uh, as a personal gun owner you know i know um that yeah, it's probably not going to do anything for you know against me. Um, as a business, though, that it could potentially cripple me. Um, we're fortunate enough that uh, even though we're small, uh, we have structured our business mostly around the gunsmithing, which remains untouched. Um, we, we have a right to repair in this country, so gunsmithing basically gets a loophole in all of these laws. A lot like the uh, law enforcement and military do, uh, we, we don't really get touched by it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But our sales are completely dead now. Yeah, um, you, you removed, you know, eighty percent of the requests that we get for, you know, people coming to buy a gun. They're like, "Hey, I can't sell you this gun anymore. I can't even order it." Um, and then beyond that, it it affects some of the programs we're doing. We're deeply uh, involved with Hold My Guns, uh, a five hundred one c three. So I want to uh, stop you really quick because I do want to talk about that a little later in the show um, and give a little oh, yeah. more a little more detail on that. You hit on something that I can sort of relate to, which is when the New York State Safe Act first kicked in as as a New Yorker, very similar to what you guys are going through now. I can remember having a very similar sentiment of, are they really going to lock me up? Like I feel like I'm a pretty decent human being. I feel like I. <laughs> 
I've always maintained a, you know, a, a job. I've always been really good to my fellow Paid man. Paid your taxes. I pay my taxes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, there's no way that they would do this. I cannot believe they would lock up just a, a good person who just is refusing to comply with these silly laws. And, you know, our friend Peter over here, one night over a, over a cocktail, was telling us that that's exactly what has happened to, to some people, right? And so, Peter, I want to kind of bring you in. You know, how does this affect, from a legal standpoint, obviously, like, the, the law is the law, but, I mean, when you're looking at these draconian laws and these states that enact them, is there no room for common sense when dealing with good people? It's very scary because, you know, a lot of our practice is people with concealed carry licenses. We recently got retained by people who had licenses in Michigan, literally got turned around on the way back home. They were going to Pennsylvania. The next thing you know, they're crossing the border up in uh, Niagara County and uh, Canada seizes one of their guns and then they turn them around and call the state police and say two guys are coming with handguns and they got arrested up in Niagara County. Seventy, one of them was in his 70s. Uh, so we see people getting arrested all the time at the airports. Uh, we had a very big case involving uh, two people who had Massachusetts concealed carry licenses that got arrested in Manhattan. So we get people arrested all the time. But I think the scariest thing, and I may have mentioned it on the show just a couple months ago, we've been seeing that people with ghost guns uh, in, in New York, people who never committed a crime, who never took the gun out of their house, who never fired the gun, are being locked up, and some of them are going to state prison. I mean, that's just wild. It's you know? wild. And at the same time, you have liberal prosecutors in the same places that are letting gangbangers who possess loaded firearms outside of their home driving around with defaced firearms. Those people are getting probation. That's a mandatory minimum of three and a half. Those guys are getting probation, and the guy who never takes out the gun, uh, who who made a ghost gun during uh, the pandemic, is going to prison. Yeah, insane. Crazy. Jeremy, uh, I wanted to ask from from your frontline perspective, how, how many customers have walked into your store and and or called? You alluded to a little bit before, and and not known the details of these new laws. Uh, oh God, probably probably ninety percent of them. It depends on the law. Um, We've had so many new gun laws uh, happen so quickly that people are unaware of what's currently active. Um, the magazine ban that went into effect not too long ago has really impacted people because um, that one's so broad that people don't realize if they drop off a 30-round mag to me, I cannot give that back. I technically can't even take it. I have to throw it in the trash uh, and never actually put it into my books that I received it. Um, so... It becomes a little bit dicey because pe not not everybody is up to date on absolutely everything, um, but yeah, a broad broad spectrum of, of the people come in and uh, even people who know guns inside and out don't understand the laws. Yeah, we deal with the same thing here in New York. I mean, I think everyone on this call will you know or this interview will agree. You know, we are fortunate enough to pay attention to these things. Some of us do it for a living. And, um, you know, we, I guess we take it for granted that we know what's going on and, and what the laws are up to date, but we were talking just a, a little bit before the show, how, you know, Peter, you were saying how some people are being denied their, their, uh, concealed carry permit because they don't know the, the laws. The judge is saying, you don't know the law, so, uh, you're not going to get your, your concealed carry. And these personal interviews, they're getting denied. Yeah. Well, and the other part of this that is, is crazy is you think, you know, the law, but 
I mean, you and I have talked about this many times, Keith. They keep changing. They keep flip-flopping. There's, you know, I mean, I, for, well, you for, have to be a lawyer to really I, follow what's going on with all these cases and they keep going back and forth. And then there's, you know, it, it is very confusing. And I'd like to think I'm much more well-read than the average person. I half jokingly will say this again. And I, I, Peter, I said this to you when you first came in, we were catching up, but you know, it's so, it is very confusing because I go to a, a, a fundraiser for a weapons combat team on federal land in New York state and they don't give a sh crap what New York state law is. They're right. like, shoot whatever you want. Right. So it is confusing. You know, how, how do you keep up with these things? Yeah. I, I, it, I think it, a lot of people forgot that before before Bruin came down, Hochul gave us 10 new gun laws in New York. Right. Yeah. I'm still getting calls today from people who say, I still have another. What do I do with it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, the other. So I want to go back to what's going on here in Washington State. And Alan, I want to bring you in. So Second Amendment Foundation recently filed a federal lawsuit against Washington State's assault weapons ban and their magazine ban. Uh, Alan, what goes into making the decisions on where to spend foundation resources and why do you feel that this is a winnable case? Because I know you, I know you would not go after this if you did not feel it was winnable. Well, first of all, we're kind of lucky that we've had good funding from our supporters and you know, and gun owners out there across the country to be able to bring these suits. So, our feeling is, anytime our rights are infringed upon and it's a winnable suit and we have funding for it, we're going to bring it. So, right now in Washington State, we actually have. We have actually have four lawsuits going on right now. We have one uh, challenging law that doesn't allow young adults to be able to buy semi-automatic rifles. And we have one challenging the magazine ban that you just mentioned. And then we just recently filed the one against the new law on, on their so-called assault weapons ban uh, that they passed as well. Uh, and in fact, in that case, last week, we filed for preliminary injunction motion uh, on that suit. And then we have a fourth suit attacking the attorney general in his individual capacity as well as official capacity for misusing his office by going after and harassing the Second Amendment Foundation for bringing the suits to begin with as, as, as political payback, so to speak, trying, trying to put us out of business. So we're really engaged very heavily here in Washington State with four suits, uh, which is actually four of currently approximately 50 that we have filed nationwide. Yeah. Well, I really didn't answer your question of why do I think they're winnable, okay, uh, which, is, which was an important question that you asked. We thought and, you were avoiding uh, us, Alan. Yeah, I mean, post the Bruin decision at the Supreme Court, we're now, you know, uh, it's not a balancing act test anymore about is there a governmental interest in, you know, trying to, you know, uh, according to them, save lives, so to speak, by limiting gun ownership. It now just goes back to the text and the history of the Second Amendment, uh, what it means and what the history was, you know, at the time it was, uh, you know, adopted. Uh, and, and again, when it was adopted, there were no laws saying that 18, 20 year old young adults couldn't buy our own firearms. Likewise, there was nothing about, you know, capacity about, you know, dealing with, you know, ammunition feeding devices. Uh, and there was no ban on commonly owned firearms, uh, you know, that, that are owned by the general public used for lawful purposes. So we think we're in good shape on these. And we've actually uh, in all three categories there. We have currently have some wins in other jurisdictions around the country on 18, 20 year olds. We just won recently one in Minnesota. I saw uh, that. Just, I, I, that. That's yeah. very recent, right? Yeah, very recent. Uh, and we, of course, won in California. California is, of course, appealing it, but we've won on, on their assault and ban in California. Uh, we just recently won the one in, in, in Illinois as well. Uh, and, of course, the state's appealing that one. Uh, 
Uh, and then likewise, we've the mag when the magazine ban in California, salt and ban in California, salt and ban in Illinois. So I think we're, we're on pretty good grounds here. And just as it, to add to things today, we just got a preliminary injunction win against New Jersey. So I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold, hold you on that one. Cause we do want to go into more detail on that later. Uh, and I keep, I hate to keep putting pins in things, but uh, you know, I want to go into some deep dives on some of these con on conversations. So I, I want to hold off on Jersey for right now, but I, I, before we move on to anything else, I wanted to, I've been waiting to say this to you, Alan, I saw a picture of you when it got announced that you were going after Washington state and, you know, it was a very nice picture of you, uh, as always very, very nice conservative outfit. You had your bow tie as is, you know, typical for you. And I just want to let you know, despite the conservative outfit, you are are what the kids call a gangster, sir. You, <laughs> you, you, you. No, all joking aside, you are taking the fight to these guys, and uh, I don't care what you wear when you do that. Yeah, it it it's uh, <laughs> it's very impressive. I mean, you you guys are doing an amazing job, and I wanted to, I I wanted to just tell you that it is very much appreciated. I. Uh, I, as a gun owner, am very, very thankful. So thank you for everything you guys are doing. Well, thank you for your kind words. It's much appreciated. Yeah. So I, my, one of my, my questions is, I guess kind of for everyone, um, you know, uh, we'll have to uh, moderate here a little bit, Mike, but, you know, is it a fair estimate in everyone's opinion that, you know, half the country is pro 2A and half is not? Do you want to go around the table on this? Sure. That okay. that part, we could all, do, uh, do we all agree with that? I, I think it's a 50-50 split. Or pretty very pretty cl close, very right? Very close to that. I mean, Peter? Peter? I don't know if I agree. I think okay. that they, there's a lot more pro 2A people than no? than uh, people think. Okay. And, right. and I mean, I think even in deep blue states, when I think about the number of pro 2A guys, and like we're in New York. And think about the number of pro two A guys. We don't even go to Texas and and think about that. Yeah, I guess that's. Okay. I guess if you were to if you were to take some of those other like red states. Uh, okay, we're still on on track here, okay. Jer Jeremy. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's probably like seventy thirty. Okay. Uh, pro two A. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but they they support it. Okay, Alan. Yeah, I agree. The 70-30 figure, I think, is very realistic. Uh, I think where we lose some ground is when you're talking about things of like, you know, waiting periods or when they try to confuse semi-automatic rifles as being fully automatic military assault type rifles or weapons of war. Uh, we lose some people because they don't understand, you know, the, the nuances of what they're really trying to ban. But being talking about being pro 2A or anti 2A, it's a good 70% that are pro 2A. Yeah. And you know, when I say 50 50, now that you are all saying it, uh, not, <laughs> not to jump on the bandwagon yeah, here, yeah, go ahead, but I'm going to jump on. No, but I, you know, I underestimate. You're allowed to change your mind. I underestimate the fact that there are a lot of people who will not participate in a poll, right? Mm. Like they're not going to, they're not going to come clean on that because of. Reper possible repercussion. So I, that is a, I forget who said that of the three of you, but that is a very valid point. And the only thing that scares me, and I've said it many times, is I just don't know how much more of an appetite the middle, middle has, the, the, the moderate conservative or the moderate Republican or an independent voter. I don't know their appetite for these mass shootings. It, I think that that scares the average person whose kids are in school and they see one of these terrible things. And I think that it scares, that, it scares regular gun owners. Yes, them, right? it does. Sure. Right. So I just fear that that could start to really tip the scales away from our favor. That's my fear. Well, I'll, I'll take the 70, 30. The, the reason that I, I brought it up and, and maybe it, 
where my thought was going as I was reading the questions for tonight and, and kind of getting ready was, if it is so divided, and you guys are obviously saying it's a little more two-way side than than I was thinking, but if it's as desi- as divided as we're all saying it is, what is either side trying to win? Are, you know, in your guys' cases, are they really trying to win the the twenty uh, percent uh, or twenty five percent to bring it over closer to the middle? Or if I'm right and it's more fifty fifty, are they just trying to win the one percent to push it over? Like, what is the reason for the division? I don't understand. And why is it so politi- uh, politicized? You know. Well, I think that uh, a big a big problem we're seeing today is that parties play to their bases. Yeah, and certainly. You see this with the Democrats, right? They really play to their most liberal liberal wing of their party. And so for them, this is the way they fundraise. Uh, but, you know, we talk about mass shootings. Who has a stomach for these mass shootings? I almost feel like, you know, th- that the left wing uh, doesn't want to stop these mass shootings <laughs> because yeah. they think it, it helps. I don't know how you sit in Congress and vote against security, armed security at schools when kids are being slaughtered. Like, who has the tolerance for this to happen? Uh, very recently, uh, it aired, I think, today, we played a clip from Megyn Kelly. Yep. And where she said, like, the gun control crowd has already lost. And if you guys are, if the numbers you guys are all saying, the 70-30 split, it, she was like, they've lost. And now, because they've lost, but they won't concede, when these terrible things happen, rather than come up with real solutions like armed security, like real mental health solutions, they would rather, and this is her her words, they would rather just keep going with the same rhetoric because that rhetoric is what they think is going to sway people over. But they, they don't even, re- and in her words, they don't realize they've even lost. Well, I think that, and that trying to sway people over is kind of what I'm saying. And, and Jeremy Allen, I want to hear your responses too. So I'll, I'll cut my response, my comment short. But wh- wh- why why do you guys think it's so p- p- politicized, so divided? Well, it's easy. Honestly, it, it's it's easier to blame the tool than it is to blame human nature. You know, and I hate to br- keep bringing it back up, but by hold my guns, uh, all the things that we deal with through the hold my guns work shows us blatantly what the problem is. And it is mental health, 100%. There's no doubt about it. Um, the number of people that we have dealt with um, by just giving them that service uh, ha- has directly impacted us at our shop. Like We have seen people come in that are on the edge of doing something bad to themselves or others, and they they decide not to. Yeah, and that's interesting because, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but it's interesting because when you provide an outlet for people to get help and they can get that help, it does have a profound impact, right? Like, I mean, like when you think about it, uh, and I always go to this, the mental health uh, solutions in the 50s and the 60s, I always say they were not kind. They were not good solutions, but they were a solution that had an impact on our culture. If there was a more sympathetic system, and what you're talking about, hold my guns, I think is one of those, it is a sympathetic solution. When you have a sympathetic solution that is kind to those people, it also is kind on our culture, right? It, it's like it's a win-win when you do it the right way. And we're just afraid to stigmatize or to, to give that solution because of what it might say about people. But the reality is there are people that need that. 
Yeah. And I do want to go down the mental health topic a, a second here, but Alan, I did want to give you an opportunity. Any, any thoughts on why it's so divided or why we're trying to win one side over the other? Well, addressing the mental health issues uh, are obviously very important because right now I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent of the problem, but it's, I'd say it's 80% of the problem. And uh, while gun owners and, and gun rights groups and, and the industry, farmers industry has definitely reached out to help solve and work on the problem, we get a lot of pushback from a lot of the you know people in in, in the uh, health community, so to speak, because they hate guns uh, and they want to focus just on the gun. Uh, it, it's a big part of our the problem, and quite frankly, it's very rewarding to help solve that problem. Uh, I'm involved with a number of organizations that work on the mental health part of the issues, and particularly suicide prevention, uh, which which is which is the majority of gun deaths in this country, uh, and we've had an impact in that area, and it's very rewarding. I think there's something else at stake here, though, which uh, is more towards Megyn Kelly's point, which is that if New York gives up the gun control because Bruin tells them they have to or the courts tell them they have to, or I don't want to mention New Jersey, but it looks like New Jersey is now going that way, then what's left for the gun control crowd? I mean, they've they've lost that battle. If, if New Jersey, if gun violence doesn't explode after gun control ends in New Jersey, if gun, if gun violence doesn't explode after gun control ends in New York, then what's left to argue? Yeah. I, I, that, I, I think that's kind of where my thoughts are going. And, and I just, I, I, uh, and maybe it's because I'm pro 2A, I just fail to be able to understand and rationalize the other side's position on why they, why they need to attack the second amendment the way they are. I don't, I, I think that, and again, maybe I'm being too rational, but from a rational perspective based solely on, you know, population and uh, the percentage of deaths by population and in, in breakdown in different categories, it's really, and again, it, maybe it's insensitive to say it's just not as much as other things. Before I go on to my next point, I, I just want to kind of go back to something Peter had said. I do think that it comes down to, in terms of politicizing I think it just comes down to both sides. They, they're they both guilty of this, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, sure. They, they entrench themselves in what they yeah. think their base wants to hear. And and they, I'm, I'm kind of like, for what? For 5% more? For 2% more? Because that's just how, that's how they operate, right? Mm. So for instance, and I mean, I'm not going to go into every sort, you know, everything, but, you know, we look at the crisis of the border, right? And now they don't even want to say the word illegal immigrant. Like they, right. they, 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 they control the narrative with terms and words, Right. That's a very left leftist thing to do, um, but you take that situation, the crisis at the border, and they will hang on to that. They will they will make people into martyrs. They whatever they think their side wants to hear, that's what they are going to push as far as an agenda. And by the way, if all of a sudden tomorrow uh, everyone died in blue, decided that you know what I. I do think that there's a problem with illegal immigrants coming up. You'd better believe they would switch and they would paint Republicans as the ones who want to let immigrants in. And if they thought in. the immigrants were going to vote for the Republicans, they would for sure stop. It would be a wall up tomorrow. hundred percent. Well, yeah. I, I, I officially have hijacked. That's always happened, yeah. Yeah, I officially have hijacked where this was all going. So uh, <laughs> bring us back on track, Mike. No worries, no worries. <laughs> so I want to go back to something that Alan said earlier. Alan was talking about, uh, well, we asked him about winnable cases. And I have to be very, very honest. As a New Yorker, 
it is very hard to be positive about even the best of news because even which, after being, which he, you have always tried to be the positive one, and I love that you say this these days. Well, because even after being handed legal losses, our state just doubles down, knowing that they can tie up unconstitutional, draconian laws in court over and over again with zero consequence. Right. So this came up recently where someone was saying, even if we were to win some of these cases that we're fighting in New York, they'll say, okay, and they'll just come up with some other hoops for us to jump through. And it's just so frustrating. So really, I think this is more of a question for Peter and for Alan, but uh, obviously everyone can chime in. Is there any recourse to prevent states like New York and Washington and Illinois from utilizing these, what I'm calling kick the can down the road tactics, right? It's like, just kick it down the road and we'll just tie it up in court a little longer. So I, the I voter mean, box is one, one recourse. Yeah, but it's so hard, right? <laughs> well, I like know. 50, 50, like yeah. you just said. So Peter, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, I think that's right. Elections have consequences. And if we keep losing elections, we're going to be condemned to go through this cycle. But I think the answer is yes. Uh, we talked about the last time I was here, we talked about the lawsuit we filed against New York City. And we know that New York City has a history of infringing the Second Amendment. Can you give a, just a, a quick background of what that was? Yeah. So just very briefly, we filed a lawsuit which has two major aspects. One of them is the permitting delays, which in New York were lasting a year and a half or longer. And the other one is... Uh, asking a court to force New York City to accept the gun licenses from not only other counties in New York, but also other states. Uh, but one of the things we're asking for is a federal monitor to be appointed by the judge so that New York City gets this taken away from them. Because after a certain point, you realize that New York will never honor the Second Amendment rights of anyone until they're taken kicking and screaming. And so we're asking the federal judge to actually impose monetary damages, but also to appoint a federal monitor to ensure that New York is in compliance with the Second Amendment. So Alan, now what's your take on this? How do we stop how do we stop these uh, these states that are, you know, obviously very anti Second Amendment? How do we stop them from just kicking the can down the road? Well, let me say that I find the court system to be a bit frustrating in how long things take to get resolved. And the other side's very good about stalling tactics as well. Eventually, we're going to win and it's going to get resolved. We're not going to win on everything, but we're going to win on most things. Uh, and it's going to be pretty favorable. The problem is, is that we're all impatient because a right delayed is a right denied. And as long as they're delaying our rights, you know, we're not happy about it. Uh, and I find it very, very frustrating. Uh, there's no doubt that, you know, the hardcore blue states, so to speak, you know, where the Democrats control the legislature and the governor's house are going to, you know, when we smack them down, they're going to come back with something else. Eventually, they're going to get smacked down to the point where they won't be able to come back with something else, so to speak. Uh, but it's going to take time and it costs a lot of dollars. And they know that. They, and they work on, you know, they get tax dollars to fight us, to take our rights away. And we have to go out and raise <laughs> fight money. Fight us with our own money. Is there a way to try to go after them in terms of putting consequences in place? In other words, is there a way to to petition the courts and say, look, this is what they're doing and they're using taxpayer dollars to do it. I think that if they put in unconstitutional laws in place and, and they're they proven unconstitutional that they need to pay back the money, they need, you know, whatever the case may be, is there a way that we could 
sort of hold their feet to the fire? I mean, Peter, well, who, what do you think? Well, here, where do they? Where does that money come from? Sorry, Peter. Where, you know, the, well, they don't. Well, own- let me jump, let me jump in on that for a second because sure. when we do win these, we file these cases as civil rights suits, mm-hmm. and as a result, if we win, uh, we're entitled to legal fees back. Uh, and we get them back. In fact, we're selling right now in one case in California with the state of California with over $400,000. They're going to have to pay our attorneys. Uh, but the problem we have is even when they do that, they're paying it back with taxpayer dollars. <laughs> right. I mean, but at least the taxpayer dollars are going to what some of those taxpayer dollars want to go to, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to spin that positively, Alan. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, it is frustrating, but eventually, you know, somewhere down the line, we do win and we do collect some fees back. We never get all of our legal fees back because you know, the judges don't give you everything. Uh, you know, and the states fight saying, oh, you charge too much money or the hotel in your attorney stayed in was $10 too much a night. So, you know, you, we're going to cut you $10 a night. And it gets kind of really petty and kind of crazy. But 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 we're gonna win. You know, it's a it's a long game, and the other yeah. side is is interested in playing the long game. We have to play the long game as well, and we are winning this long game. Look, go back when the Second Amendment Foundation was founded almost fifty years ago. We had no victories. It was zero. <laughs> True. We didn't have law review articles that supported Second Amendment rights. We've come a long way, and we're gonna still go a long way further. Yeah, I. You know what it is? It's like at some point, and I mean, what I'm saying is a stretch, but at some point, someone like our great governor Hochul, you know, you, you do unconstitutional law. It's proven to be unconstitutional. You put another on unconstitutional law. It's proven unconstitutional. You do it again. You do it. At what point are you not doing your job upholding the constitution? At what point shouldn't the court at some point say like, you are not fit for office. Like you are not upholding your oath of office. And, you know, I guess maybe that's where I'm going with this is, is there a way to say like, at some point they have to be held accountable for purposely pushing unconstitutional laws and it's proven because they've lost x amount of cases and i mean peter i'm sure it's not possible it's i mean it's just so difficult like you know alan said you know let's say we get legal fees let's say we get monetary damages the bottom line of it is they're taxing us to pay this money so they have no skin in the game uh we have this separation of powers the courts are of limited authority and uh and and they're using that against us you know, when I was reading the uh, the forbidden topic, the New Jersey decision today, <laughs> I'm amazed at how much time was spent talking about standing. I mean, their their big defense to a lot of these lawsuits is, well, we haven't arrested anyone, so there's no standing, and they don't even want to get into the merits of it. They just want to talk about uh, procedural issues. It's not a forbidden topic. We just have a schedule, people. Okay. okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> someone has to keep you all like in, in line. I mean, you guys are like rowdy Second Amendment guys. All right. So, Peter and Alan, I think I have asked you both this before. And if I didn't, I just dreamt that I did. But I don't recall the answer. So I'm going to ask it again. Is there a centralized place where I can go and see a list of all Second Amendment legal challenges across the country the current statuses of each of those cases and the next steps in the process. You're such a nerd. Uh, I, I doubt <laughs> it. I think you did ask me this question and I know Reddit. Uh, the no, New no, York, Reddit. I mean, I want like a spreadsheet. Like, yeah, I just want- <laughs> No, but the New York gun Reddit oh. actually had a thread with a running list of all the lawsuits in their status. I don't know if it's being updated. In all fairness, though, I I go on the New York gun Reddit a lot. And I mean, it's kind of Yahoo yeah. city. It, Alan, it's- save me. Is there a place? Well, 
we're working on one for all the gun cases, but right now, if you want to get the 50 cases that the Second Amendment Foundation has going on, uh, plus some of the past ones as well, on our website at sdf.org is a pretty good repository. So you can go find under legal I'm, cases. I looked there this morning. I looked there today before we got a where under resources. In all fairness, Keith, if something doesn't exist, you're supposed to invent it yourself. Well, uh, listen, uh, I don't, I'm not smart. That's true. <laughs> right, Jeremy? Try, yep. try to go to the legal cases uh, on the homepage. When you scroll down, there's a legal case button by itself. Okay. Try to go there. I think it's been updated there. If not, look under – it might be under resources, but it, it's on the website. All right. I'm going to uh, go look again. We're working on a total repository of, of everything of case law, not just what's currently going on, but everything that's ever been going on. Uh, it's a very large project, and, 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 and it's very costly to do this, and, but we're working on oh, it. Oh, you are working on it. Well, that makes me feel better. And yeah. I don't – I'll found, be honest I with you. I found this. I'm, I'm going right to save you a little trouble if, it, if, I, if my opinion matters, Alan. I don't care about the stuff that happened in the past. G- give me the current stuff r- for all the craziness that's going on right now. And then, you know, as things get better, hopefully you'll be able to spend more time on the stuff in the past. Um, but, uh, I, I, I want somebody did passed you just, me. Did you just crush Alan's like project? He was like, we're going to do the past, the present. And I you're like, like, you're like, we don't care about the past. I, I hope I didn't just crush it. I, I just, I, you know, I feel that that's one of the hardest challenges that I have, you know, trying to talk about the second amendment. And I feel like I get asked a pretty decent amount of questions due to the podcast and, and due to being, being, uh, so informed about it. I just, I've never seen anything like that. I've All just right. never seen. So I, I do give you a lot of shit, but I'm going to save you on this one. Oh, thank you. I, it is frustrating because you have all these different. I'm supposed to know the law. Lobbying groups. You have all these different, you know, organizations that are advocating uh, SF being one of them. Right. And, and uh, you know, you guys are doing a great job, but there's all these organizations. It is very hard to keep track. Yeah. And I mean, so it, it's, it, 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 it's just. You want to know so you can keep up on this stuff, but there's so many things going on. Let's take, for example, you and I, we live in New York, and let's take, for example, we only really want to understand where the Concealed Carry Improvement Act currently stands. Right. That's a very difficult question to answer. Some pieces may, some things are in, some things aren't. You're making me crazy right now because now this is like driving me nuts. And speaking of, I want to talk about mental health. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So, Jeremy, we haven't really... uh, heard from you in a, in a bit here. So mental health issues are often brought up as a common problem that need to be addressed on the multiple pro, times tonight, on, right? On the pro two a side, right? It's, it's, it's a con common theme. It's the antithesis of gun control. It's the opposite. In my opinion, like gun control is we're controlling the guns where when we talk about mental health as a solution, it's let's not blame the, the tool. As you said earlier, let's actually get to the root of the problem. So you do work very closely with Hold My Guns, as you've mentioned earlier in the show. Can you tell us a little bit about that program and how you got involved? And uh, I really want to make this a, a part of the show where we can inform people and let them know more about it. Absolutely. Um, so Hold My Guns is a 501c3. We try to provide uh, storage services for anybody who needs to handle anything in their life. Uh, mental issues, maybe you're moving, Maybe you have a felon move into your house, whatever it is. We've seen it all in our shop. Uh, we don't ask questions. We just hold your guns. That's it. We're not trying to grab your guns. We're not, we're not trying to take them away from you. We're just a safe storage place for you to deal with whatever you need to deal with. Um, and that seems to be something that's needed. Uh, we get tons of emails and calls of people that, hey, something happened. I need help. You, what can I do? 
Um, and Home of Guns, currently we have seven locations nationwide. Uh, Randall Family Firearms is the only one on the West Coast, the only one in Washington for sure. Uh, I think we just added a new one in Arizona. Um, so we're, and, and I think there's one more location in Oregon maybe. But check the website, holdmyguns.org. You sound more involved than just the average FFL that's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take part in this. You sound like this is a, a passion of yours. Am I right about that? A hundred percent. Why so is we that? Had a, well, we had a gun suicide in our family, um, and it, it deeply motivated us to find something to pour our energy into. Um, if it wasn't for you know us stumbling across Hold My Guns, we probably would have st- started something ourselves to try and help people, you know, find resources to get the help they need. Um, we, we ran into, uh, this beautiful person, Sarah Albrecht, she runs, hold my guns. Um, she embraced us wholeheartedly. Uh, they made a space for us being a small FFL. Um, and the opportunity just kind of grew. We, we really have helped their program a lot. My wife currently is the FFL coordinator. So any new FFLs reaching out to seek their services, you're going to talk to her and she's going to walk you through the onboarding process, which is currently getting better and better the the more we go along. Um, So it's, it's a great service uh, run by really good people who care and and want to just provide for anybody who needs it. I've heard of it in the past. Uh, This is not the first time I've, I've heard of hold my guns. And the one thing I've always wondered if somebody is out there and in their mind they're going, you know, I'm I'm in a bad place and I I feel like I might do something terrible. Um, I need to I need to get the guns out of my possession, out of my out of my house, and they bring them to someone who is in the program. The question I've always had is, they are bringing the guns and they can go get the guns. So what's to stop them from just one day going, this isn't getting better, and I need to go. I'm going to do this terrible thing. And I'm just going to go get my guns back and I'm going to do this terrible thing. You know what I'm saying? So that's the one question I've yeah. always had is what's to prevent that from happening? So part of the process that we have through Hold My Guns is that when you come to pick up your pro- your, your your property, um, we still have to run a uh, 4473. That's the background check that you would go through to buy a pistol or a shotgun or anything, any kind of firearm really. Um so that you're still getting run through all the databases to make sure that you don't have any criminal history that's new, any kind of mental health history that's been logged um, that would prevent you from, you know, essentially purchasing a new gun if you were to do that. Uh, so you can, get, you know, get back at your firearms. Um, we feel that this is the safest way right now. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't really, I don't have any you know, depth on the organization to change. That no, process. no, I, I don't think that there is a per- perfect system for any of this, right? Like, I mean, the, the bottom line is people, if people are going to do bad things, they're going to do bad things. There's, there is no perfect system. And I think that this is a system and it provides an option, a good option. And so I'm not knocking it at all. I think it's a great, it's a great alternative to other options, but I just was always curious as to how that, works when they want their guns back and you know thank you for for answering that yeah i mean to, to add to that we have investigated not not on the hold my guns but randall family firearms we've investigated other methodologies to try and co- tackle the same problem mm-hmm. um most of which leave us with a lot of um 
precarious uh, um, liability situations. Yes, sure. um, you know, so uh, so any kind of storage option that doesn't have you check, a, do a background check, ultimately opens itself up to bad people doing bad things regardless. Yep. No, I get it. So <clears throat> I uh, want to get to Run and Gun. Anybody that's ever listened to the show knows that Run and Gun is a tradition on, on this show. And uh, I, I cannot let that tradition pass. Peter, you've done it. Alan, you've done it. Jeremy, you have not done it. So you are going to be the one tonight. But before I do that, uh, I I really want to talk about something that's a little off topic, but I'm blown. I'm really blown away with some of the issues we're dealing with in terms of our economy. It's gotten very very bad, uh, and I can't believe how expensive certain things are. And I keep imagining waking up one day to a free for all that the economy has grown and gotten out of control, and possibly grocery shelves in our town pick bare and. This happened during COVID. Like Keith, you and I have talked about this. Like yep. this, there were there were actual points in time where I could not get the food that I wanted, and it did not feel like I was living in the I, United States of America. I was being limited to how many loaves of bread I could buy. Right, like bonkers. And I said, "Screw you! I'm going home and make my own bread." Exactly. <laughs> and so I personally, I'm preparing for this type of scenario by uh, grabbing emergency food. And Keith and I have talked about it, and we've partnered up with FourPatriots.com. They have. Long-lasting and delicious food options. Keith and I tested the food ourselves. It was very, very tasty. And it's specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most in the worst case scenario. How was the oatmeal? I haven't had it yet. I'm waiting for you. Oh, I thought you were going to have it without me. No, come on. I can't do that. I appreciate that. I would not do that. So a little bit about them. Four Patriots Survival Food Kits are hand-packed in the USA. It lasts for 25 years. It includes a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, dinner, all very, very delicious. And it's backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. Uh, Really, I was blown away with how good it tasted. It really, really was good. And on top of that, it gets even better. Be sure to get your 10% off anything you order from their site with our discount code, GUNEXPERIMENT10. And again, that's fourpatriots.com. So let's get to run and gun. Are you ready, Jeremy? Oh, as much as I can be. All right, here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Sig three six five. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, uh probably a, a M two, uh, fifty cal machine gun. If you could drink, have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Theodore Roosevelt. Favorite caliber? Nine mil. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Uh, hunting. If you could have oh, one shit. superpower, what would it be? Flying. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? My kids. Not bad if you, you'd want to know. I mean... Middle of the pack, 50, 52.89 seconds. Okay. So middle of the pack. How many have we done? I don't know. There's a few on here that, uh, or the few that from like the early, early shows that I really need to get still on here, but almost as many okay. shows as, what what number show is this? I don't even know. A lot. Th- that's how many we've had. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we continue the conversation, I do want to talk about our friends over at Ridgeline Defense. Uh, we've had Alex on the show and Ridgeline is one of our nation's premier training facilities and offers programs based on proven tactics and real world experience. 
Their highly trained staff specializes in pistol, carbine, precision rifle, breaching, sniper operations, and low visibility force protection. If you're looking to take your next skills, if you're looking to take your skills to the next level, you've found your new training partner. Go check them out at RidgelineShooting.com, which, by the way, we need to get out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I want to go see. I want, I want, to, see I want to go when OFT goes out. I think, yeah, I think that's already booked. Yeah. The, yeah. What, Bruiser Brothers, was it? or what Bash was it? Brothers. Bash Brothers. Yeah. You have the worst memory. <laughs> For that stuff. You Give do. me a movie. I'll you, remember you a movie. You have the most random movie, quote, knowledge <laughs> ever, for sure. All right, so we're going to continue our conversation. And uh, Jeremy, another one for you. I see that... I'm sorry, Keith, this is your question. I apologize. Uh, I thought you were going to ask it for me. I, I was going to steal your... You might as well. I apologize. So, uh, Jeremy, I see. No, <laughs> Your website says uh, that you sell suppressors in Washington. And I, I guess my my comment was, is, is Washington isn't afraid that people will go around silently killing people like New York? Yeah, it's a big fear here. <laughs> Well, um, it's funny you say that because our new legislation prevents the sale of the parts uh, required to re- attach the suppressors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so you can buy the suppressor, but you can't buy the the attachment part. All right. All what right. a brilliant way around suppressor. Huh? <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, and then I guess this question kind of gets official, Alan, or or at least more appropriate for the conversation. Has has SAF ever looked into that kind of case? You know, why why is this a thing? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm understanding what kind of case you're asking about. The so the suppressor ban. It's you know, how do we get how do we get suppressor? Could, could I jump in really quick? I guess you, so. You yeah, mind? sure. Yeah. So I like when I look at a map of where suppressors are allowed and where they're not. Suppressors are allowed are like everywhere except for like. Five states, right? The same five states that, you know, we've been talking about over and over and over uh, yep. and over again, right? So I guess really what we're, Keith and I are both kind of scratching our heads here, Alan, is has this, is it to your knowledge, and it could be SAF. It Why be, can't I be more comfortable shooting? Yeah, like has, this seems like a no brainer. This seems like something that like, you know, why would we not want to protect people's hearing, right? So I, I just, you know, why would we not want to not bother our neighbors when we go hunting? So is this something that you guys have ever looked into? Is it, again, to go back to my earlier question, is it not winnable? Is it not something worth investigating? Where do we stand with suppressor issues? Well, we have looked into it. Uh, and prior to the Bruin decision at the Supreme Court, it probably was not winnable. Uh-huh. It still may not be winnable. Uh, it's it's a tough case. I think we still need to build a lot of case law in other areas first, mm. uh, as far as the courts are going to be concerned uh, about giving us a victory on, on uh, you know legalizing suppressors. Uh, eventually, I think we'll get there. Uh, we've worked with some of the suppressor groups and, and manufacturers who would like to fund a suit like this, but I think the timing is more important. Things to get through the courts first. That so it's on our wish list, mm-hmm. but it's it, it's down the road. It's on our wish list too, Alan. Just so you know. <laughs> so Peter, do you want to chime in on this? Your thoughts? No, no, I think Alan, you know, hit the nail on the head. I think that there's there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we need to pick before we can get to that level. And I think Alan said it earlier. You know, we're winning, right? We're we're effective. We're winning. We've we've changed the conversation. I mean, I live in New Jersey. We have concealed carry in New Jersey. Right, I mean, we always had New York concealed carry. Still can't have hollow points, though. Uh, can't have hollow. Points, that's bonkers right? to me. That's right. So that's going to be my next case. I want to bring that case. I have a friend that's in over penetration is a much better. Yeah, option. yeah, right. no, exactly. we gotta have, we gotta <laughs> over penetrate. 
Uh, but that's going to be one of the cases that we're looking to bring in uh, in the near future. Yeah, that that always blows my mind. Like, I mean, Keith, you you actually that your timing was perfect on that because <laughs> it, it it blows my mind. I did say we were going to move. Uh, Eastward, so moving. It is now time to talk about Jersey. Not yet. No, not yet. We're not there. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Sorry, guys. We're we're almost to the east coast. We're we're moving to the east. So moving eastward from Washingtonville. Second Amendment Foundation recently won a preliminary injunction against Illinois' semi-auto ban, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it was quickly overturned by the Court of Appeals. Uh, This back and forth has to be frustrating for you, Alan. Uh, Ultimately, what's the end game with all of these cases? Where where do you think things will fall? Well, first of all, it wasn't really overturned by by the Supreme Court. It was stayed. Okay. So the 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 uh, restraining order, preliminary injunction, or whatever, uh, is not in effect right now. Uh, and in fact, the appeals court just uh, ruled, gave dates and times for everybody to uh, put their briefs and motions in. There's a number of cases that were filed in Illinois, and they're now all consolidated at the appeals court level. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting because I got listing today of all the attorneys and plaintiffs and everybody who is involved in the case. And it's like, it runs pages. <laughs> uh, the challenge is going to be interesting, but one of these cases is going to you know move on and it's not going to be totally resolved until it gets to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe the court's going to have to take one of these cases because it's going to be uh, case law from different, different uh, jurisdictions that are going to be in conflict. And as a result, it's going to have to be be sorted out by the Supreme Court and and eventually we'll get get it there. Uh, and there are a number of them that are moving, not just the Illinois one, but you've got one out of Maryland that was second amendment nation is involved in this moving, one out of California that we're involved in this this moving. One of these cases is going to get to the Supreme Court quickly. If I'm not mistaken, was it not it might have been even today, uh, where Amy Coney Barrett actually kind of gave them a little bit of a of a deadline, right? Kind of really kind of hammered home that uh Illinois you know, don't don't uh, play too many games on this one. Am I wrong about that? Well, I think, Alan, you know, one of the things you mentioned is uh, the Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court has already indicated where they stand on this. Yeah. Uh, about a week after Bruin, they uh, that Maryland case, I think, was remanded back to the uh, to the Fourth Circuit because uh, they had ruled that the assault weapons ban was constitutional, and the Supreme Court said, "Well, read Bruin and then get back to us." <laughs> so I think that uh, Try again. I, I think we know where the Supreme Court stands, and I would think that both the Third and the Fourth Circuits are going to be probably uh, overturning assault weapon bans pretty soon. So this is actually a question for you, Peter, and this was not. This is just where the conversation's headed, I guess. What needs to happen in order for it to, and I know the ultimate answer is the Supreme Court, but what ultimately needs to happen where it is ruled that 30 round magazines, quote unquote, assault weapons are, you know, in common use and they're allowed and not in New York, not in California, but nationwide, we are done game, set, match. They are allowed. I can go and I can go buy one today. No problems, no questions asked. Like, what is that going to take? Is it a Supreme Court ruling done? It's it's so frustrating, right? Because the Supreme Court already ruled on this. I, I know. This was, That's why I'm asking you the question. Right. <laughs> there was a Third Circuit uh, case where uh, a New Jersey case, they ruled that the uh, that the magazine ban was unconstitutional. Supreme Court, after Bruin, said, read Bruin and re-decide it. 
And what happens, New Jersey, because again, as Alan mentioned, you know, they're playing this delay game. They, New Jersey went back to the uh, Third Circuit and said, okay, you know, remand it back to the district court because we have to develop the record further. And so we're in this limbo, and the Supreme Court can't even rule because there's no decision, and it's being litigated. And it's frustrating, and as Alan said, you know, a right delayed is a right denied. And in the meantime, you know, I live in New Jersey. I want to have 30-round magazines, uh, and it's going to take some time. Uh, but I look, as Alan mentioned earlier, we're playing the long game. They're playing the long game, and we're winning the long game. And uh, unfortunately, we just have to be patient. Yeah. Which is so really let tough. Me, let me jump in here real quick, though. Sure. Uh, so, not on the legal side, from from a, a gunshot perspective, you need to change hearts and minds. We need to start changing public perception. So hard to do, yeah. though, Jeremy. That is so. It, hard it is to incredibly do. hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do, and that's that's what we try to do as a smaller shop. Like we are involved in our community. They know us, um, and we constantly get shot down by people who hate guns. And they, they think we're just trying to make up for the sins of selling guns, you know, <laughs> and they, they make up stories, but trying like to justify to your existence. public perception. Yeah. Guys, you're not going to believe it. It is time to talk about New Jersey. Keith, take us there. So I, I mean, I don't even know how to, I guess I'm just going to ask the such question. Such a buildup. You such a buildup. I'm afraid that my question <laughs> is going to get overshadowed by the buildup. Alan and or Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts about the preliminary injunction from uh, Chief U.S. District Court Judge Renee Marie Baum uh, that granted regarding New Jersey's revised gun permit laws? Finally, we're there. Well, we're not totally there yet because <laughs> the judge in New Jersey didn't give us a t- preliminary injunction against all parts of the New, Jer- Correct. New Jersey yep. law. Just yep. uh, gave it again. You know, most of it, most of tenants are enjoined. Tenants of it are enjoined. Uh, but there's still other parts of it that are going to have to be litigated as well. And as you probably already know, it took, only took New Jersey 10 minutes to file their motion of appeal. Yeah, right. So uh, we're, we're going to be moving up to the appeals level pretty quickly. You know, look, I think that uh, it was a great day in New Jersey. Uh, we didn't get everything, but we got most things. And uh, Spoken like a... Like a typical Second Amendment, yeah, uh, yeah, you well, know, no, how we all feel when these laws are passed. You know, look, we're, we, we got most back. We're talking about New Jersey, right? So, <laughs> you know, let's put this in perspective. New Jersey, there's concealed carry in New Jersey. Is New Jersey, is New Jersey harsher than New York, you think? So, you know, I debate. If you had to choose? I, I debate this in my head all the time. And uh, I think right now, New York is much worse because it used to be that, at least in New York, you could get concealed carry in most of the state. In yeah. New Jersey, concealed carry was yeah. a non-entity. Yeah. But we have real looking, we have regular looking AR-15s yeah. in New Jersey. So, look, right it, now, I think New Jersey has New York hands down. I mean, Tougher? We, tougher? No, no. New Jersey oh. is much better for gun owners. Oh, uh, now. So, actually, wait, hold on. Let me put a pin in that for one second. Yeah. So, Alan, you deal nationwide here. I mean, we're talking New York, California. I'll throw Washington State in there. You know, Maryland. Uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Allen, if you had to choose. Who's got it worse? Who's the worst state in the union for gun owners? Uh, the worst state in the union, huh? I, I, I feel uh, like Allen's hesitating. To- <laughs> let, 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 let me say it this way. I would say that California is the worst state. Really? really? And I'd okay. say New Jersey is second. Wow. Worst. I would agree. I think Connecticut is third worst. I'd say Hawaii is fourth worst. 
I say New York, where you are, is only fifth worst. Wow. wow. Well, listen, you can sell an ACP for 500 bucks. <laughs> you can give it back. I, followed, I did sell I an LCP. That, yeah, I followed that to run at the top 10 worst states with Maryland, Massachusetts, Illinois, Rhode Island, and now my home state of Washington. The only wow. thing that I will say, and I always say this about New York, is I feel like, like with California, I feel like they have a richer gun culture. Their culture of gun ownership is richer than New York. New York is like a lot of hunters. Fuds. You, I, want, I, you I, were going to say I, it. I didn't you were say, it. say it. I did not say it. All right. Well, listen, before we completely close this out, I do have one last question. And I cannot have my friend Peter on without talking about some sort of concealed carry weapons insurance. So, Jeremy, Washington and New York, we have a, a very close bond in this in that we are only two of three states, Jersey being the other one, that does not allow concealed carry uh, weapons insurance. And so in New York, we are in- What do they call it? Murder insurance? Is that what the left I, calls it? That's Governor <laughs> Cuomo's line, I believe. Oh, okay. I have no idea. I, I, I just tune them out. But in New York, we are, we are in somewhat of luck because we found Peter and he has New York tax defense, which is a prepaid legal plan. And uh, you want to talk about it really quick? Just Yeah, I mean, just very quick. You know, uh, it's just ridiculous that New York, where you need it the most, and, and you know, the, the right to self-defense is really under attack right now. And we, we didn't even get into what's going on in New York City with that terrible uh, choking case on the uh, subway. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that'll that be the next show. But the bottom line of it is you're not allowed to have any kind of uh, self-defense insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, New Jersey actually still has, uh, I believe, uh, uh, law shield, um, uh, U.S. law shield or something like that. And so you get around it because it's not an insurance. It's just a, you basically you're paying, you're, you're a retainer basically. Correct. Same, right? same price point as some of the insurance companies. We do slightly different benefits, but pretty much the same benefits. We do cover uh, red flag cases yep. 100%, which other ins uh, the insurance companies don't. Uh, but uh, yeah. 250,000? 250,000 in criminal defense coverage. Yeah. Uh, we're coming out with new tiers. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be coming that's, out pretty soon. That's my next question. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. So this is for I, New Yorkers only. New Yorkers I, I only. want a tier bump. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. pay for it. And uh, Keith and I are both, we, we're both paid members. We both, we pay for it. and uh, Just renewed. Yeah. NYTACDefense.com, and uh, it's very popular among among New York gun owners. For sure. For obvious reasons. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to Jeremy. Jeremy, do you have any options in Washington? Uh, yeah, actually, we, we have U.S. Law Shield. That's, oh, good. Uh, okay. That is our only option right now because they're the only ones that comply with the craziness that is Washington. Yeah, it's amazing. And on from your end, Alan, have you guys looked into this at all? Is this something? I know, mean, again, I know it's probably not the, a pressing issue, but has that ever been come up across your desk? Yeah, it curses our desk all the time. And quite honestly, the one that I tend to favor is uh, X Insurance because uh, it's a real insurance company that's, you know, that's giant and big. It's, it's a division of prime insurance uh, and their policies aren't, you know, uh, they're, they're much broader than any of the so-called, you know, gun insurance ones. But they're not uh, allowed so, in those states though, Alan, do you know? I think they're, I think they write in all 50 states. I think they, because of the kind of insurance company they are, they're in all 50 states. Mm. Try xinsurance.com and look it up. I'm looking but it up right now. Do they pay for criminal defense representation, which is what, like, things like the USC, USCCA. Yeah, CCW USC, safe. Yeah, and US Horse Shield. Do they, 
It seems so like they have they don't personal do they have personal injury or personal I'm sorry personal liability but I'm looking into the details of that. Yeah, it's it's more of a personal liability that covers lots of things and it covers all all the things with firearms as well. Interesting. Uh, and that's why they're allowed I think in all 50 states. Interesting. Okay. okay. So so you can't have you can have those guys uh but you can't have personal uh, you can't have a like USCCA is banned here because you can't have some other company represent you basically. Hmm. Yeah, I believe X Insurance is in all 50 states. Gun and, shops uh, are on here, Jeremy. Might have to take a look at that. Yeah, Peter, yeah, do you I, 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 Look at that one. Uh, and I've had people who who have their policies that just swear by them. Hmm. It's, it's real insurance. Gotcha. Peter, the reason why New York was able to shut it down was basically they're saying you can't insure someone for a quote-unquote a crime because if you were to use a, a firearm, you technically have committed homicide. Correct. I mean, you know, like a lot of things in the state, it was a little underhanded. They Mm -hmm. turned the insurance department loose on these insurance companies and said they weren't complying with insurance regulations, but it was really a a political hack. And the governor referred to them as murder insurance. Yeah. Uh, But um, I I think that the difference is that the insurance company that Alan is talking about is a real insurance company. Yeah. What people need is, uh, people, especially people that carry a gun every day, is they need to know that their, their criminal defense representation is going to be covered, that there's going to be a lawyer backing them up in the event that they're involved in a self-defense incident. And right. uh, New York is very interested in making sure that you don't get that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like New York, all right. Well, anyway, gentlemen, I, I want to thank each of you for coming on the show and you know, each of us comes from different walks of life, each with different backgrounds. Yet, here we are in lockstep, contributing in our own ways to fight for our right to keep and bear arms. I appreciate each of your contributions and promise that on our end, Keith and I will continue to highlight the efforts of good men such as yourselves. Keep up the good work, and in the end, it is our resolve and our bond and brotherhood that will see us through. And I just want to say one last thing. Normally, I would have given all of you a chance to say where we can find you, but uh, I do have links to all of your social medias, all of your websites. And if people are looking to find you, uh, I promise that that is a solid place to do so. Thank you very, very much for all of your time, gentlemen. 